This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Martinsville. Race number six of the season means short track action. And if the last few years are any indication, action will be an understatement. The second race of the IndyCar season is less than 72 hours away. Their first ride in Austin, Texas and Circuit of the Americas. We will discuss. Sebring was breaking records last weekend. Huge crowd at the 12 hours of Sebring where one of its top drivers reached a historic milestone. Monster Energy Supercross heads west this week. CenturyLink Field in Seattle, home of the 12th man, appropriately will host race number 12. And we will dive into American Flat Track, which this week is headed to Woodstock, Georgia. That is not for four days of peace and music, but for one great night of short track racing. Hello, you are in the Motorsports Hour when we talk all things racing. It's one of the biggest times of the year for a sports fan, but we're going to put our bracket aside for the next hour because there's a lot of motorsports to follow. Do you guys have a viewing plan? I mean, that was a lot of stuff going on this weekend. Yeah, I have my couch locked down. I'm going to just kind of lay on it and watch racing all weekend. That's a tough weekend. I've got AJ's notes afterwards, so I'll be fine. All right, guess on speed (laughs) dial there. Uh, We do have a special guest joining us today. You saw him in that video, uh, American Flat Track racer Briar Bauman. We're excited to have him uh, come join us, learn a little bit about him, introduce you to him, and uh, the series is is hot right now. But we're going to start with a little news from you. You are providing the news for us today. Yes. Oh, all right. News provided. Nice. Well, uh, yeah, it was announced today that I will be doing a undisclosed so far amount of races with Colleague Racing in the number 10 car. Uh, We're still kind of working on what the schedule is going to look like, but really fortunate to be a part of Colleague Racing and and Matt Colleague. I love what they're doing. I had so much fun being Justin Haley's teammate last Mm -hmm. year at Watkins Glen when we raced for GMS. I just had to do it again. So we know you're not racing Martinsville. Right. That we know, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to the next announcement where we find out which races you're doing. Yeah, well, I'm just trying to sweet talk for more races. <laughs> That's what I'm trying Stretch to do. It's a, a new bit. strategy. Yeah. Like, it's the announcement <laughs> pre the announcement. Yeah, we this know you're good. not racing this coming weekend. Martinsville is the focus for the NASCAR world. Congratulations, oh, by you. the way. Congrats. In the last several years, there hasn't been one dominant driver at Martinsville. In fact, over the last 10 races, there have been nine different winners. The only driver to win twice since 2014 is Kyle Busch. There has been one constant, though, at this track. That's drama. What do you say we take a look at our top five Martinsville moments? Parker, we start in 1987. Three NASCAR Hall of Famers on the final lap. And I can't say I remember this one because I wasn't born, but uh, Dale Waltrip makes this optimistic move down to turn three and four. He moves Taylor Bonney and Dale Hart Sr. out of the way. Goes on to get the win. Talking about the number three. You were minus three that year. AJ, uh, you had a great view for this. Yeah, finished second there, but uh, Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson, they dominated this race. Caution with four to go. They didn't pit for tires. Everybody else did. Wreck. 
Ryan Newman wins. Yeah, no 200th win in that one for Hendrick Motorsports. Number three, the 2017 playoffs. Do you remember these two having a run in? I've heard yes. they've run in once or twice. Uh, you know what's interesting is obviously they had a little bump and run there or bump and wreck, and then we found out Denny Hamlin has actually run 10,000 races in his career. That's what you Which remember. we're still trying to work out the math on, and then they're discussing the finer points of the bump and run or bump and wreck right here. Yeah, Chase's popularity. And impressive that move. Denny got out of Martinsville alive. Yeah, and he's a Virginia driver. That's what's crazy. Number two, AJ, just one year later. Yeah, this got Joey Logano into the championship four and obviously a championship yeah. but what i find is that martin Truex was not very happy and parker i remember him saying if he doesn't win the championship joey's definitely not yeah he said that to me yes and, um that, that didn't work out so well no it and didn't joey, no. joey, joey figured won. that one out uh, number one also involves joey logano uh for matt kenseth revenge is a dish best served with hot dogs he uh put uh, slipped off the brake pedal there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it went down, and Jeff a Gordon, deep. a little deep, and uh, retaliation for maybe an earlier race at Kansas. Jeff Gordon goes on to win at basically the nighttime, so we we know we have lights at the paperclip now. That's right. But that was probably the first ever night race because it was very dark. It was getting dark. I was quickly. leading that race saying, I can't see, and then I realized who was behind me, Jeff Gordon, in his final year trying to get to the championship four. I knew I had... You You're, thought for a moment there, you're like, this, I'm going to win. No, I thought oh. pretty much it was not going to happen. There, somehow <laughs> Jeff Gordon was going to win that race. Um, he showed you. <laughs> we are going to hear from Matt Kenseth a little bit later in some form or fashion oh. coming up in the show. But let's stick with Martinsville. What is it? I mean, we just saw that. The last three years in the that fall race, we know the, the playoffs are going on. But it just brings that drama. What is it about Martinsville? Yeah, I mean, and I, I've been fortunate enough in my career. I've had success there. I found somehow to get around it, kind of got that road course feel the way you use the brakes. But to me, what makes that race so hard is the fact that you just can't relax. And we saw it there. A lot of those wrecks were with two to go, three to go on the final restart. And it's you could run 499 perfect laps around that place. But you get a late race caution or something, you get roughed up by somebody or you start getting door to door with somebody. There's so much action that can happen. It can take a great day and in the matter of seconds, ruin it to where you have a horrible finish. It's, it's funny you bring that up, not relaxing, because I don't care if it's I've been in the front of a truck race or mid-pack in a cup race. It is the toughest racing, the most, you know, uh, fender-beating racing you'll have anywhere because it just, those you know, arrow doesn't matter. You can move a guy out of the way. You can go a little deep on the brakes and make, and, you know, kind of knock a guy out of the way and hope he doesn't get back to you, that sort of thing. So there's just a lot of aggressiveness with Martinsville, and the cars are so on edge. You mentioned the braking. They're so, they're so willing to wheel hop, and you're trying to roll more speed and the tires are wearing out all this is happening amongst a massive pack of cars and so it's just one of those places that there's nowhere to hide you're constantly on edge at this tiny little paperclip amongst 40 other cars i always love telling people i love the racetrack they said well you're pumped up for the race i said no <laughs> no i'm not i'm so nervous every time i get in that race car there just because you know you're in for 500 laps of a just battle all day mentally and physically so uh Obviously, it's why we love watching it as well. Well, it's interesting because you both said the same thing, how grueling it is. But on paper, forget about on paper, in person, a, a fan might walk in and go, wait a minute, it's not big like Daytona or Talladega. It's not banked like Bristol. It, does, you know, it doesn't have the speed of Richmond. But that's what makes it so difficult is how flat it is and how anything can happen, like you guys say, at any given moment. Yeah, you're just, you're, there's somebody always around you, whether you're battling for position, trying to lap them, they're lapping you. There is always somebody around you. And more often than not, it comes down to finishes like this, especially in the fall race, where it's lined up in the playoffs. If you're one of those eight, you win that race, you get to Homestead. So 
Gosh, it's just anybody that, that anybody that has an opportunity to go to that racetrack and check out a race has to do it. And not just in in cup racing, truck racing, modified zero. I mean, it's just a place that no matter what type of cars you put on it, puts on a great race. So yeah. does someone like Ricky Stenhouse has been really good, you know, great in the standings right now. Does he have a, a good shot uh, this weekend? Well, the most memorable thing he probably did last year there was uh, not let Kyle Busch by at the end of, of a stage, basically to stay on the lead lap or stay, stop from going two laps down. But I think, you know, what's interesting about him is what we've seen out of him in these first five races leading into Martinsville. I mean, he's 11th in points, I believe, right now. He's ahead of all the Hendrick Motorsports drivers. They're really excelling at a high level on that number 17 team, and it shows not only what he's doing well, but what Roush Fenway has brought to this year. And we know we've talked a lot about Roush Fenway kind of rebuilding the organization. Well, this is sort of the fruits of their labors. We're seeing him early on in the season up there in playoff contention right now. His teammate, Ryan Newman, in the sixth this year is in 17th. So I think this is exciting for Roush Fenway Racing. And so going to Martinsville, uh, I think it's a place that you can you can ride that momentum. And for the first time probably in a long time, that team has the ability to go in there and not feel like this is a place that we've got to continue to maximize. This is a place that we can get that one good finish if we, you know, if we find ourselves in the lead lap late in a race. They can take what they get because they're in a good position points-wise. Yeah, and something for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. that's going for him is now he has Ryan Newman as a teammate. So a place at Martinsville where maybe Ricky hasn't been the best there, Ryan Newman is really good there. So there's a lot of things that Ricky can learn from Ryan going into this weekend that whether you're trying to win the race or more importantly survive and just gather with a good points day, he can learn from Ryan Newman and teach him what he needs to do to get better at that racetrack. I feel like, and these are interesting thing on a Thursday show, we love talking about all these different forms of racing. Kyle Busch winning 200, it feels like it was a lifetime ago a little bit because <laughs> it happened, you know, four days ago. We're looking now to Martinsville, but he's won there. I mean, now that I think the big question is, when does it stop for Kyle? Yeah, he got 200. 201 is probably not that far away, possibly this weekend. Well, I think you'll see when we do our fantasy uh, picks later on this. Oh, that foreshadowing. Yeah, a little bit. You know, the thing is, when you look at the Cup Series right now, the drivers who have been your top five to top eight drivers, I expect to be your top drivers this week at Martinsville. Yes, it's a short track. Yes, it, you know, there's tire wear and it can get a little crazy. But at the end of the day, these are the top teams. These are the top drivers right now. And it doesn't matter like we saw at Phoenix or we're running at Las Vegas or we're running at Daytona. These are the drivers that are going to rise to the top. And so uh, I think that Kyle Busch absolutely is on fire right now. He has the momentum. Joe Gibbs Racing has got a ton of speed. They've obviously taken to this new Air for, or downforce package really well with 750 horsepower on the short track one. I think uh, there's no reason to feel like, just like we said last week, that he can't go and win this race this weekend. Krista, you asked, yeah. when does it stop? When Kyle Busch hangs up his helmet. Yeah. I mean, he's that good. And you see any type of racetrack, he can go there and dominate and win a race. So, yeah, I see it no different at Martinsville, but, you know, a guy like Denny Hamlin, obviously Daytona 500 champion, it's a place he's really good at, so he can go there and, and maybe get another win. You look at the, the team Penske driver, especially Brad and Joey. Ryan has had speed there at times, but he struggled to get a finish. Uh, and I really look at, at that racetrack at guys like Chase Elliott and Jimmy Johnson, where they have struggled at the beginning of this year maybe to really kind of turn their season around. That's the other story. Can Hendrick Motorsports show yeah. us? Yeah. All right. Well, from 750 horsepower to a 750 bike, I think. Thumbs up. Yeah. 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 Coming up, we have a special guest with us today, fresh off his season opening win. We're going to get to know American Flat Track's Briar Bauman and learn why his sport just may be the hidden gem you've never known you've always wanted to find.
NHL's biggest stars shine bright on Star Sunday. First at 12.30 Eastern on NBC, James Van Riemsdyk. Then the Flyers take on TJ Oshie and the Capitals. Then at 8, Nathan McKinnon and the Avalanche clash with Patrick Kane and those Blackhawks. On NBCSN, NHL Star Sunday presented by AT&T. Friar Bauman was the star of the show last Thursday in American Flat Track season opener at Daytona. The 23-year-old from California won the 25-lap main event in the Twins class, capping it off with that wheelie across the finish line. It's got to be worth some style points, right? You can watch his victory in the Daytona TT this Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern here on NBCSN. As the season gets underway, Briar Bauman, who is with us here in the studio, has the biggest opportunity of his career. He's riding for Indian Motorcycles factory team alongside two-time champion Jared Meese, your other teammate. How about your own brother, Bronson Bauman, uh, your younger brother? Thanks for coming in. And before we get into your season and, and your riding, tell us why American Flat Track sort of just seems like such a hot commodity right now. Why? What are you drawn to about it? I think just the close atmosphere, really. Um, everyone's really, really close. The racing's really, really tight. The tracks have been really, really good lately. So... Everything about it's really growing. Um, the competition's really, really high. Everyone's pushing further and further to, to be better. So, yeah, the, just the series is growing. We're going to really cool places, and it's just been a good time. I was there last Thursday. I was fortunate enough to be able to, to call the race. And, uh, you know, what he's talking about, the atmosphere there, the racing, what these guys do, uh, it's <laughs> impressive is not even the word. Crazy a little bit to a certain degree. But, you know, you, as we talked about, you become a factory Indian rider, teamed up with your, your brother Bronson, but more importantly, teamed up with Jared Meese, which has been the dominant rider the last two years, winning the championship, winning tw 20 races. You got your fourth career win, winning at Daytona, starting the season off as the points leader. How do you build off that going into this week in Atlanta? It's all momentum, really. I mean, the bikes are great. The team's done such a good job. That's the, that's the biggest thing is the factory Indian motorcycle team has, has brought me a great motorcycle. I have a couple of mechanics that I've had with me for the last couple of years, and the relationship, relationship is really, really strong. So, yeah, we're just uh, trying to hit, hit our marks every weekend and, and take it step by step. Um, we did a good job in Daytona. We, we studied hard and did our work, and, you know, we have a lot of new racetracks coming up on the menu, and, and we're just uh, trying to take it weekend by weekend. So you mentioned different racetracks, and I think that's what's the most interesting thing about American flat track racing is it's not just ovals. It's not just the TT that you talked about. It's small ovals. It's large ovals. Which tracks do you prefer and why? Because these, I mean, you guys go from these mile ovals at 140 miles an hour to three-eighths to this TT style. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I love them all, really. Um, if I had to pick one, I like the cushion race tracks a lot. They're, they're loose. They're fast. You can kind of run wherever you want. It's, uh, it's wild. Tear-offs are flying. Um, a lot of the fans love it. They get up against a fence and we're spraying them with, say, pea gravel or some of the darker cushion. They, no they're, they're into it. They love it. So, yeah, I really like the cushion tracks. It kind of lets you hang it out a little bit, not so much of a, a defined line. And the cushion you're talking about, so, I mean, for fans out there that don't know American flat track racing, it's a lot like sprint cars or midgets where you get up on that berm of, of packed up dirt and sort of ride it with the rear tires, right? Correct? Yeah, yeah, same deal, really. You can kind of choose to go to the bottom and, and kind of, you know, just stay down there, but or you can go to the top and find something you uh, you want to find. So, yeah, you go up to the top and you let it hang out and, and get a, get around it that way. Talking to a lot of people at, at the race last week, they just really noticed kind of a, a, a just a your personality and the way you were going about it, just a different style. You seemed just more focused. Uh, people try to talk to you, and, and you didn't really want to have anything to do with that. You were focused on going to do the job. Was it because of this opportunity with the factory Indian team that gave you this focus or, or just you feel like this is your time now and, and you're going to do everything you can to make it happen? 
I think more so it's it's my time now. I, uh, I actually have known, I've been known through the pits as one of the guys who jokes around a lot, and, and I'm really loose, actually. So this is a great opportunity for me. It's a great opportunity for my brother. I'm trying to set, set a role for him and show him that, hey, we need to uh, capitalize on what we have here. So, yeah, I'm just trying to bring everything I can every weekend, show Indian Motorcycle that I want to win as bad as they do because they want to win, and they have won. So I want to show that. They can get it elsewhere besides Jared Meese. <laughs> <laughs> and you were talking about the fans that get up on the fence and such. I mean, you've got to have some very passionate fans that come out to this. Is it sort of like a, a motorcycle event in so many ways? Is there a lot of motorcycle fans that come out? Is that what you notice that you get at these races? Yeah, motorcycle fans. Luckily, as of late, American Flat Track's been doing a great job. We're getting a lot of new fans involved. A lot of guys from Supercross, car racing. Um, awesome. We were actually at the IMSA 24 hours, so we got to kind of show what we do there, too, and meet a lot of new faces. So... Really, the, the diehards are there, loving it, getting autographs, but we're also getting a lot of new people around, too. Are you a fan of other motorsports? Like, when you're done this weekend with your race, will you sort of sit back and watch some of the stuff that's on, or what do you like to follow? Yeah, I follow everything, really. I try to. Main, uh, mainly two wheels, but yeah. I do follow four now. Um, like I said, we were at the 24-hour IMSA, and, uh, yeah, we, we have a lot of interest in, in just motorcycling or motorsports as a whole. We, we support everyone, and it's, uh, it's a great deal. So heading into the Atlanta Short Track this weekend... You struggled there last year. You finished 10th. Uh, we were talking about it off camera, and you just said it, it just wasn't a good racetrack. So was it something you don't have a feel of that racetrack or bike set up and, and heading in this weekend of what you learned at Daytona, completely different race, racetrack. Can you take it going in this weekend and make it better than what you had last year? I believe so, yeah. I mean, we've done, like I said, we did a lot of homework. We, we really tried to capitalize on our weak spots, and that was one of the racetracks we struggled at. And I was actually fortunate enough to win at a track somewhat similar at the end of the year last year in Williams Grove. Um, not quite as slick. That's one thing I do struggle with is the slicker racetracks. I, like I said, I like to get loose. I have a loose personality, and I need to work on that. So that's the goal this weekend. Maybe, maybe bring that seriousness on track a little bit, not, uh, not smoke the tire off in the early laps, and, and try and uh, be consistent 25 laps. Let's, I don't know if you should hang out with us. We're not. Yeah, I don't know how serious we are. Yeah. Uh, and just going to, you know, how you prepare for this series in American Flat Track Racing. You and I were talking off camera a little bit about your preparation. It's it's sort of a mix of doing some motocross stuff and some other actual traditional working out. So how do you how do you prepare for this type of racing? For me myself, I just try and make myself a better motorcycle rider. Not so much flat track, not so much motocross. Just on a motorcycle, try and be better in any way you can, and I think that'll translate over to what we do. Um, setup's really, really big with, with our, our racing, so fortunately for me, I said earlier, I have some great mechanics and a great team, but being a good motorcycle racer, riding every type of terrain during the week and, and training you know, in the gym as well. So just trying to hit every, every area that you can and, and show up every weekend and, and know how to ride a bike is kind of what you have to do. <laughs> So spend all your time on two wheels. Got it. Yeah, that's, that's, got it. That's all you have to say. Got two it. Yep. wheels. Live on. Two wheels. Just live on two wheels. Well, thank you for coming in and uh, spending some time with us. Best of luck to you Saturday. We don't have to wish you luck Sunday. The race has already <laughs> happened. You won. It airs yes. Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. You want to check it out. And Briar's really excited because we went through the whole interview and didn't mention Shayna. That's a at all. First time <laughs> ever. I'm excited about that. So one. if you're a new fan, his, his girlfriend Shayna Texter also uh, <laughs> races and singles, and so it's just you got the Bauman brothers. You've got Jared Meese. You've got Shayna Texter. There's just a lot of reasons to get behind American Flat Track oh, yeah. right now. Yeah, that's great. So thanks a lot. And we are just getting started. Coming up next, Austin, Texas is known for live music at Stubbs, cowboy boots from Allen's, and according to Parker, the most fun city in Texas this weekend will become known for IndyCar. We'll preview their race Sunday at Circuit of the Americas when the Motorsports Hour continues.
Sunday, the NTT IndyCar Series heads to Austin, Texas for its debut race at Circuit of the Americas, 1.30 Eastern on NBCSN. And don't forget this May, how can you forget the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500 is on NBC. And our coverage will feature Danica Patrick, NBC Sports, the new exclusive home of IndyCar. The front row is occupied by the Team Penske Power Duo. Will Power winning the pole and Joseph Newgarden starting outside of him. Will Power has the power and he's gone. Tim Sendrick and Mike Hole both very aggressive on the radio telling both of their drivers, Joseph Newgarden and Scott Dixon, be liberal with the push to pass. Right now, they're 24 seconds above everybody else. Newgarden stayed out, so he might have an opportunity to jump him in the pits. Here is Joseph Newgarden. A move by Tim Sendrick that could flip the track position in this race and give Joseph Newgarden the lead. Newgarden is going to come out in the lead, and his pace right now is kind of next level. Joseph Newgarden! Oh, he wins in St. Petersburg! That's awesome, we get a win first of the year. We'll talk about Joseph Newgarden and St. Pete in just a moment, but you know the 2019 IndyCar season, no question, off and running. In just 66 days, all eyes will be on the brickyard for the Indianapolis 500, and that means busy times for IndyCar president Jay Fry, who joined our Steve Latart for the latest edition of his Latart on Location podcast. I've never been to an Indy 500. I've been to the early brickyards. It was fascinating. I mean, the Indy 500 is, is a standalone event. I mean, what's it like for me? I want to know what it's like for the president of IndyCar for the Indy 500. I mean, it must just be the biggest thing possible. Yeah. Well, it's obviously it's a world stage, right? So that, that I mean, you bring your A game to every event we go to, every venue we go to. But this is just the, the magnitude of, of the facility of everything mm -hmm. we do is just bigger, right? right. So it's um, it's a spectacular race, this spectacular venue. Um, it's just it's hard to describe until you've been here to see it one time for yourself. I'm sure, I'm excited. Yeah. So just think about you know 33 cars, 11 rows, you know 11 rows deep at three going into turn one the first time. I mean it's you know it's the intensity level just in the in race control about watching what we're doing and paying attention to what's going on in the spotters that we have throughout the facility. Um, it's 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 game on. I mean it's as it's as intense as you can get. Bucket list. It is said there are three parts to an IndyCar season: the run up to the Indy 500 the month of May, which you've experienced, and then the race to the championship. So part one continues Sunday in Austin. Let's talk about what we're going to see uh, this weekend. I've read this track state of the art. Can you guys sort of take me through it? Well, it is because it's a one of the newest facilities in America. It's obviously the Formula One race for the U.S. Grand Prix, and therefore it's a very nice facility. It's one of the nicest facilities we have, and here we have a cool animation where we're going to fly down into Austin. Now we're above the track, and you're going to see turn one there, elevated up. Then you go into these S's, high downforce needed. Then you head down the hill to turn 11, and this long straightaway all the way to turn 12. Can't wait to watch the IndyCars race there. Then a bunch of twists bits, AJ, that you and I get confused on iRacing all the time. And then you end up all the way back at turn 20 and heading towards the start-finish line. And this is a, you and I were talking earlier, it's a tough track. And one of the things that I'm excited about that backstretch for the Indy cars is that braking zone to turn 12 because the draft they're going to have, the push to pass down that back straightaway and then out braking each other to turn 12. I mean, I think that's going to be a very interesting corner throughout the race. It really is. And in, in the start of the race, you know, a rolling start going up to turn one, which it, TV doesn't do it justice how much elevation is up to turn one into a blind corner, really. So uh, there's a couple of great passing opportunities on that racetrack, but these Indy cars, the way they draft, it's really going to just suit these cars. And talking to some of the drivers after the test, I mean, they couldn't just stop, stop raving about 
the racetrack, yep. just what the, the fun ability of driving the racetrack, being around it. Just, I mean, the race itself is going to be awesome. I can't wait to watch it. It's a world-class facility, and you, you said it best. It's just a cool place to drive a race car. Yeah. Like, that's what's cool. You know, as race drivers, we want places like that, that even if we're by ourselves in testing, you get out with a smile on your face saying, this is an awesome place, and that's what Coda is. Well, and there's some races where, you know, the storyline is all about the drivers, which weren't, you know, it should be, but there's some races where the venue sort of becomes uh, – it comes to life, literally, yeah. you know, sort of becomes a character within the race. It sounds like that's going to happen this weekend. But let's talk about some of the characters that are behind the wheel. Um, <laughs> do that, do yeah, that again do for me? Yeah, that one. That. That's why I do yeah. this and not this. Um, Joseph Newgarden. I mean, like like you heard in the piece, there's no better way to start the season. Yeah, and Joseph Newgarden had just such an up and down year last year. He did win races, but his bad races were bad. And Roger Penske doesn't like that. So I really feel like jo uh, Joseph in the offseason, put so much more work in, and he always does put a ton of work into it, but seeing him on social media, how hard he's working out, everything that he's doing to prepare for this season, it showed at St. Pete, and he went out there, qualified third, I believe, second or third, I believe, but more importantly, they took an alternate strategy to where when he got some clean racetrack, he pumped out the fastest laps of the race, so when they pitted, they were came back out in the lead, and he just set sail from there. So the way I look at this weekend, is it's Team Penske versus everyone else. Okay. Because it's kind of like that over the racing world right now, essentially, in NASCAR, IndyCar, V8 Supercars, IMSA. But the thing is, I, they have been the benchmark here as of late. And it's and when they go to a track like this that rewards some of the things I feel like those cars do really well, the things that they are able to maximize through the high-speed corners, find the braking stability, those are the things that, that Team Penske just has really – has been doing very well so when i look at this race it's who can rise up and you and i were talking about testing and one of the cars that we noticed really fast is alexander rossi right and so for me i look at that and say okay does that mean the andretti cars as a whole could be a contender against team penske so that's what i'm going to be interested to see i mean we i think the tests will reveal some things but can alexander rossi can andretti rise up and sort of show this early the season yes we can contend with team penske at a track like this that might reward some of the things that their cars do really well Critical weekend for Ryan Hunter-Ray as well. He was quick at St. Pete and had a, a motor failure, so really has to go into this weekend on attack mode, trying to get back a lot of those points that he lost. That was of his own undoing, basically. So it was something that those cars are going to be fast. Another kid, because he's only 18 years old. I was waiting for this. Colton Herta for Harding Steinbrenner Racing led three out of the four sessions when they tested their Alexander Rossi led the fourth, but he was second in that session. So he was really good at St. Pete, smart on a tough street course, kept the car on the racetrack, finished inside the top 10. Can he go to Coda and show the speed that he showed at testing and maybe surprise some people? And the driver who's supposed to be his teammate, Paddle Award, is even making his first start this weekend as well. So expecting big things out of him. He's obviously, he showed a lot of speed last year at Sonoma when he was teammates with Colton Herter. And so I think uh, it's a very exciting time for him to be back in IndyCar on a limited schedule and getting his first start of the season at this big race at Coda. So what I learned, uh, no question, IndyCar, a must-watch this weekend, not just because of all those names, as you see Pato there, um, but the track itself, just to see, I mean, IndyCar's first time, the debut um, at Coda, Circuit of the Americas, is going to be cool. I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think this is just, as I said, I think it's a world-class facility that is that IndyCar belongs at. It's in America, and IndyCar is some of the fastest cars in America. They belong at the Circuit of America. So I think this is going to be really worth tuning in for. I told you, I'm, I'm locking myself down That's on the couch. Fun. This is happening. I'm watching it all. So it's, uh, it's just, it's going to take 
IndyCar, I feel like to a new level, being at a facility like this and uh, the drivers are going to show how awesome this series is. Well, I know what you're watching or what you're saying. You're like, how am I? How can I watch? I mean, I'm yeah. in. I want to join AJ on the couch. Have me stay in. on your own couch. Don't join him on his couch. Here's a look at our There's weekend coverage from Join me. All practice and qualifying sessions will be streaming on NBC Sports Gold. NBCSN will also carry qualifying on Saturday and then coverage of the IndyCar Classic starting Sunday at 1 Eastern. All right, we're going to switch gears. Coming up, the stretch run continues for Monster Energy Supercross. Who are some of the riders to watch out for this Saturday night in Seattle? We will discuss Supercross next. By now you should know that NBC and NBCSN, the home of motorsports, and that includes the NASCAR Wheeland Modified Tour. As soon as we're done with NASCAR America at 6 p.m. Eastern, we're going to bring you the season opener for Myrtle Beach Speedway. So stay tuned for that. Monster Energy Supercross will be at CenturyLink Field in Seattle this Saturday night. Coverage starts here on NBCSN at 10 Eastern. In the 250 class, Adam C. and Cerullo, Cerullo returns to action after winning the East-West Showdown a few weeks ago in Atlanta. Yeah, he's pumped. While in the 450 class, Marvin Muskan comes off his first win of the season. That was last week in Indianapolis. So he is now trying to catch teammate Cooper Webb, who has been the championship leader for the last five weeks. It is getting good. It's really been good the whole season in Supercross. So... What, where do we even start? I mean, Cooper Webb, did we see a little? I mean, is there light for the rest of the field? Light at the end of the tunnel because someone could possibly catch it? So watching this race, there there was three different points in the race. I thought, yep, yeah, okay, maybe this is Cooper's bad night. He stalled the bike at one point in the middle of the race. He was running fifth, passed a couple guys, stalled the bike, back to fifth. I thought, all right, you know what? We're starting to see a little chink in that armor. But all of a sudden, with like four laps to go, he starts running down Marvin Muskan. And we see right here. Oh, this is that's the pass. Crazy. Incredible. So, so that's Cooper my favorite Webb thing. crashes. He, <laughs> this is a crash, people. He crashes, saves it, and so oh, by the way, passes, passes Eli Tomac for third. So at some point, I just started looking at, like, you know what? Maybe, maybe if it's your year, it's your year. So Marvin Muskan was able to get the victory, but I just feel like even with the victory, like he looks back and is like, why is my teammate right there? He's always there. Eli Tomac confuses the heck out of me sometimes because he was on Marvin Muskan's wheel, rear tire, the first three quarters of the race. We saw a pass that happened there. That was for third. Blake Baggett got around him early in the race for second. And next thing you know, Eli Tomac finished 20 seconds off the lead. I just don't know sometimes where the speed goes. This week, he may show up and be the fastest guy on the planet again. But what Cooper Webb is really doing is just putting in solid races Every weekend, if he's not winning, he's on the podium, and that's what you have to do for championships. So if you are, I'm sorry. You no, me. go ahead. Go, go I'm ahead. i say if you are Marvin Muskan, Eli Tomac, we, that's kind of been the theme of his season. You know, he's up or down. Uh, Marvin Muskan, here, I mean, is that enough momentum uh, to go into Seattle and, and maybe you just have to hope Cooper it, Webb does something wrong? It has to be. As, as Marvin Muskan, you have to draw off of that, getting your victory, beating, beating your teammate finally. But I just don't – I'm not saying he can't. I mean, he's only, I think, what, 14 points back. So he's he's there. He can put together a couple wins and have a shot. But 
Cooper Webb right now is definitely the guy to beat in this championship. And you know how I know he's the guy to beat, aside from what he's done this year and where he is in the points position, being the points leader? If we go back to that video of him launching over basically the inside or the infield of the track and landing on the hay bale, whatever the bales are made of nowadays, they when he goes off towards Eli Tomac, we talk a lot of times about in stock car racing about intimidator and such. Look at Tomac's reaction. He's like, oh, no, no, no. And then just lets him by. So that's, he's basically, he's like, we're going to wreck. You're going to run into me. They get away with it. And now Cooper Webb moves on. And that is, intim that is a guy on, in rare form and able to do anything and even force guys to make moves that, he doesn't, that they don't want to do. He was lucky to get over the tough block, one thing. Yes. But the camera was right there. That can he would the tough camera block, that was the word I was Yeah, the for. camera would have won that battle if he hits that. So yep. it's just even when you do something wrong and everything kind of starts to work out for yourself, that's what it looks like for Cooper Webb. But he's got the speed every weekend. So it's going to be interesting in the 250 West. Adam C. and Cirillo right now, it's been a few weeks since he won that East-West yeah. showdown. He's got the speed. He's got a 15-point lead over Dylan Ferrandis. It's really those two for the championship. Nobody really has got the speed, I think. If Adam C. and Cirillo loses the championship, it's because he himself loses it. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to beat him on speed. Well, again, they go to Seattle, and we'll be back here on Thursday to break it all down. We say we, AJ, will be back here. I mean, we'll all be here. AJ <laughs> will break it down aficionado. on Thursday. When we return, it's back to NASCAR. We will pose the question that a lot of drivers in NASCAR ask themselves. What would Clint Boyer do? Turn is over. Here he comes. He's the checkered flag, and Clint Boyer is going back to victory lane. A Clint Boyer win usually includes a big Clint Boyer celebration. One of the larger-than-life personalities in the garage, Boyer, the blue-collar boy from Kansas, is known amongst his peers for cracking jokes and saying just about anything. So we asked some of them, in given situations, what would Clint Boyer do? I got you this. <laughs> you could probably make some money on these. WWCBD. <laughs> Are you poking fun at me with this? No. You know what a Cinco de Mayo means? That's not, no. Cinco de Mayo? Mayo? What would, would Clint, Clint Boyer do? do? That's not a question that I ask myself often. And why is that? It would not be the correct answer for me. They ask you in other rooms here, they're like, so who's the biggest partier? It's like, wow, a lot of us used to be back in our single days. Now, we're all about married, but I think Boyer's still got it. <laughs> what I do is I've been asking them situational things, like here you are, here's a scenario. So I'd like to ask you a few of them and see if they line up. <clears throat> Shall we? I will never forget this. Let's say you were showering at the infield at Talladega, only to find someone stole your clothes. Talladega, baby! Woo! You always come back and have a good time! What would Clint Boyer do? Boyer would uh, grab a paper towel and just walk out, say, what's up? Is the shower curtain still on there? It could it's be. It's Talladega. <laughs> it's still the old school. You sit down on the, on the toilet, high-five the guy next to you. I think we all know what he would do. Full Probably. swing motion. Out for sure. Clint Boyer would probably just walk back to wherever he was going in a towel. And not like the full towel. 
like the, the washcloth out. Would you grab anything as you're running out? What are you gonna grab? They stole your clothes. Some people said a washcloth. One person said a paper towel. <laughs> Would he run? You know perfectly. What? He just walk out. Probably light jog. Light jog. Yeah. Not a sprint. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna sprint or run anywhere. I've seen him run one time. He was a good runner, but I don't think he wants to do that again. Was that at Phoenix? Yes. Yeah. I think yeah. that's the only time anyone's ever seen him I run. I think you're right. Here goes Clint. Clint's coming. Y'all get Boyer. Y'all get Boyer. Don't have to do that stupid. All right. You got 30 minutes to pick up a keg. You need cash. You got no wallet. What would Clint Boyer do? He would sweet talk. Put it on the person. Offer a good time at a party. Hey, man, we're going to have an epic party tonight, and you're invited, but we need your money to buy this keg. And the guy would be like, sold. He's so good at talking and convincing people on things. He would walk away with more than one keg for free. He'd probably get them to deliver it, too. You can ask anybody in any kind of racetrack society, I've got 30 minutes, zero cash, and an ice-cold keg. What do you say? Are you in? Are we partners? I guarantee it it would happen. This makes me so happy right now that that's... Because you know that's true. That's genius. <laughs> Rut is a genius. They pretty much had him, yeah. That's, I think, well, Kevin said it best, which is kind of my reaction, that I've never asked myself this question. Oh, you have the bracelet. Because, yeah, I've got, I've got the bracelet here. Because it would only end up, it would be when I wanted to make a bad decision. Like, I know this is the wrong decision. Or what would Clint Boyer do? That's how I end decision. up there. Or a fun decision. It's just how you look decision. at it, man. Yeah. Like, why has it got to be a bad decision? Well, because I kind of find myself in bad places anyway, so I feel like this, <laughs> this wouldn't help. Well, I love those. maybe you need to do what Clint Boyer would do and have more fun with it. I haven't thought of it Rut's basement. Um, it's Glass half full, Parker. That's Rut's basement, I used to think, like, not a place you want to be, but with questions like that, that's pretty good. Especially if he's getting people to buy kegs. I know. I know. Well, from a driver it's who impressive. always has something to say to one who has been silent for nearly the last six months, Matt Kenseth putting out his first tweet today since October. Now, with four little girls at home, he is a little busy, so I say good for Matt, putting social media off to the side for a while. But uh, he said 160 days. That's how long it's been, just too long. Uh, he's been busy testing the Goodyear Assurance weather-ready tire. Uh, a little plug there. He's still got it. And we at NASCAR and NBC reminded everyone that Matt Kenseth is going to race in July 9th at uh, one of his, his home tracks, Slinger Speedway, the Slinger Nationals. And Matt responded. Is, so, that, the, is that the clap? That's yeah, the clap no, one? it's like the wave. Like, yep, got okay. it. I, I think what we've proven here is he's still, he's still around. He's still watching things yeah. from afar. I'm still wondering if maybe uh, Carl Edwards can check in, too, at some point. And then, uh, you see, he won't be around for a but while But that's now. it. So that, that yeah, was the tweet, and Matt said he will, uh, he'll, you'll hear more from him on August 28th. Do you think he's got a <laughs> sponsorship from Tire Rack, or is he just trying to get a sponsorship This tire might rack. be one of those, like, viral moves, you know? Like, like hey, yeah, yes. thinking, I need more tires. Yep. I'm going to yes. plug your name. That's what it is. All right. Maybe. We told you we'd hear from there Matt Kenseth. There may be a huge, though. you know, plan here, a grand plan that we don't realize yet. Well, Kenseth and the incident he was a part of back in 2015 made our most memorable Martinsville moments. So as the series gets ready to race there, we wanted to put their main menu item in perspective. Martinsville's hot dogs, six inches long. A lap at Martinsville is 33,327.36 inches. So if you're doing the math, uh, 5,554.5 hot dogs end-to-end -end is one lap. So Because you were doing that math at home, right? Wow. Yeah. I know. So how about this? They're <laughs> expecting 70,000 hot dogs to be sold this weekend. So if you lay them end-to-end, -end, 
that would be 12.6 laps in hot dogs. So 12.6 laps are gonna, of hot, hot dogs, dogs are going to be eaten end to end. this weekend. Yes. I think Kyle Petty would say you sound like your face fell in a stat book. So I think, <laughs> I think we got to end. Here's what's funny though. Kyle would like this stat. I feel like he would like this stat. <laughs> I think it would be better for okay. better racing, possibly, they put a little slaw and chili on the racetrack and they have to drive in it. What about that? We'd be from the sticky stuff yeah. to the slippery stuff. Yeah. Who knows? Okay. Well, you know the question everyone's going to be asking this weekend. Who will be the top wiener? Win winner. We yep. I had to. It's hot dog humor. I can't, I can't walk off. Coming off, we'll time. reveal our global motorsport star of the week. And with March Madness now underway, you wanted to say something. There. <laughs> Who's in our sweet 16 of motorsports? This might start a debate or two if these guys stick around for the next segment. Check it out when we return. We are back. It's time for our Global Motorsports Star of the Week. For that, we turn to IMSA, where the number 31 Action Express team won last weekend's 12 hours of Sebring. Pippo Durrani was part of the winning lineup, earning his second consecutive Sebring victory, his third in four years. He's the first driver with three overall wins in four years at Sebring since the legendary Phil Hill. That was back in 58, 59, and 61. So I'd say that's a good pick, right, for our Global Motorsports Star? Yeah, I mean, what Pippo Durrani has done over the last couple seasons, kind of unheard of, and all of a sudden really just put his name out there in the world and, and watching him drive and Felipe Nasser and Eric Kern. Uh, but Pippo and Felipe especially put on a show at Sebring. Oh, yeah, that, that was crazy. And, you know, I remember when Pippo kind of bust on the scene a couple years ago at the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona, led the race, was incredible, goes on to win the race, and it's been amazing to watch him kind of become the star that he is in IMSA. I mean, I think, you know, there was not many people that knew that name, and now throughout the racing world, there's people that know the name Pippo Durrani, and I, it's because of what he's doing here. It's amazing. Hey, and last weekend's Super Sebring doubleheader, by the way, set an all-time Sebring attendance record. Ticket sales and camping numbers Jumped more than 40% this season. So you have to I check out. I can't test that because I took a walk through that you Saturday saw some night. wild stuff. I had some fun and it was definitely packed. Oh, so that was pretty did cool. Did you, Parker? Yeah, I, you were still on TV. I was still working <laughs> at that point. I didn't get to go to the infield and have fun. I put right. in my seven hours already. Okay. <sighs> corners, corners. March Madness, at least the field of 64 uh, tipped off today. Already at least one upset, number 10, uh, Minnesota over Louisville. Got us thinking to get into the spirit. We create a motorsports Bracket. Oh, okay. All right. So uh, follow along with go. us. Again, you always see an upset. And we're kind of just going generic. Kind of just best rider, driver, who would you pick? Remember, a number 12 always beats a number 5. Exactly. So if, if I'm going off of that theme, 12 versus 5, I am for sure picking Fernando Alonso. Okay, you have to. Over Cooper Webb. Fernando wow. is what? Two-time world champion. He's won at Sebring. He's won at Daytona now. Cooper uh, Webb has been dominating, though. So, has been. But... It's Fernando Alonso. Yeah, so we I saw, give you that. What, but we saw a 10 beat a 7 in hoops today. So would you take Tomac over Will Power? That's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say Will, knowing the speed of the, of the Penske cars, I'm going to go with him. And obviously his how good he's at qualifying, I think that's very important. I look over to the right as well, Martin Shrex versus Alexander Rossi. That's an interesting one. I think that's a real matchup right there. I can okay. see those two. That's, that's a tight one. The other one that really stands out to me is – Joseph Newgarden versus Christopher Bell. Why? That, because if you take it, you look at what Joseph Newgarden's doing. He's won the IndyCar Championship once already. He's one of the fastest guys on the planet. But if you look at what Christopher Bell can do, not only an Xfinity car, just a, a, a NASCAR car in general, you see him on a dirt track. Any type of dirt vehicle he gets in, 
he can wheel that thing. So I think that one goes to a buzzer beater. It can go either way. Well, let's, we're going to switch over to NASCAR with our fantasy teams in just a minute. But let's look at that 6, is that a, yeah, the 6-11 matchup. Kevin Harvick and Brad Kozlowski, both champions. Again, so you're comparing series to series. Who would you guys take? I don't want to, I mean, don't give me your fantasy lineup yet, but just in general, do you take Harvick? Do you take Kozlowski? This weekend? Nah, I don't or know. In general? I don't know, just kind of in general. I could pick either race. Tra- we could pick tracks, and I could take them I, either. That's my thing. It's yeah. different tracks, you know. I, I'd say Team Penske is maybe showing a bit more speed than Stuart Haas Racing right now, so this you could season. lean towards so this season. This season so far, they've shown more speed, and I'd say that, obviously, Team Penske has just been good in everything. I know we, it, sounds, it sounds like a broken record lately, but they're just they're on top of it everywhere. So you're taking BK. I took BK. Yeah. Over Kevin Harvick. Okay. All right. Well, you don't from, agree. From uh, I'm just going to let you go. With okay. I'm, I'm not. I'm not you, I, I, I don't agree or disagree. I'm going to give right. you both your chance right now because we're going from brackets to bragging rights. Time to set oh. your fantasy lineups okay. for the weekend. AJ. AJ. Really went out on a limb here. I went Kyle Busch as my lead driver. Uh, wow. Denny Hamlin is always strong at Martinsville. Clint Boyer won there last year. And as I said earlier in the show, Jimmy Johnson, Chase Elliott, this is their chance to really turn their season around. If something happens, Ryan Newman is always a sleeper. That's a great set of picks for me to beat you because oh. Uh, oh, <laughs> you're yourself. going Hendrick heavy, apparently. So Kyle Busch, of course. I have Danny Hamlin, obviously, because he's so great at Martinsville. Joe Logano, obviously won there in the fall. I feel like he's very fast in Martinsville. I got Kevin Harvick because I feel like if there's a place that maybe SHR is going to be good so far in the beginning of the season, it's going to be there. We saw some speed out of them at Phoenix. Eric O'Roll, I think he can be an upset a little bit. I think definitely the speed he's shown at some of the short tracks and such in those Stuart Haas racing cars, I've got him. And then in my garage, I have Brad Keselowski. Like I said, I feel like that team is on it, so you got to have the Penske drivers. I couldn't put Blaney in, as you said earlier, because he's just been too inconsistent. He has speed, but he can't get the finishes. You both had, if I was keeping track there, 18 and 11. Those were your common drivers. Yeah, those Good, were pretty easy ones. Pretty okay. easy ones at Martinsville. <laughs> so, well, Parker... Let's make a deal. We'll meet back here next Thursday. But can I say, can you ever have imagined a time when somebody wouldn't pick Jimmy Johnson? I know you did, but the fact that Jimmy Johnson wasn't the sort of overall blanket pick, that's incredible. It is odd. I mean, it's weird to to be in a fantasy situation or even, you know, just anything Martinsville Cup Series and not think automatically, all right, Jimmy Johnson has a shot to win this. But it's just... It's a sign of the times right now. Hendrick Motorsports know, is just might, not on This it. time next week, we may be talking Jimmy Johnson. They may be talking about him on Monday. Thanks for joining us today on the Motorsports Hour. Coming up next, you're going to love it. It's NASCAR Touring Series action with the Modifieds at Myrtle Beach. Enjoy. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.